0: Happy Sabbath, Church. I have the caption today, Twisted Hearts. Twisted Hearts. Let us pray, Father in Heaven. Give us receptive hearts today. Remove all stumbling blocks so that we can hear your word clearly. May we leave here edified in Jesus' name. Today, the world over is celebrating. I look into the congregation and I see some people in red. The red I am wearing signifies the blood of Christ. <laughs> is it safe for you? And you know, the world is celebrating love. And so many times, as human beings, we seek to celebrate a day when we look about people that we love or say that we love. And the other 364 days, we do not remember them. So, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Christmas Day and you throw away the person after that? Why wait on a special occasion to tell somebody you love him or her or to show your love? And you know, before I go further, I think that it is important to say this. I have learned a very important lesson About the elderly among us. Do you know that sometimes they are very lonely? When you have lived and contributed to society and they take you and put you into a home after 70 years. Where everybody else looks like you or looks worse than you. It can be very depressing. I was sharing with a church sister last week who... Brought to my attention some of the things that happen once you go into a nursing home. I am saying this before I go further. That it's very important to check upon the elderly that are in your life. They need to hear from you. They need you to call them. They need you to listen to them tell the same story over and over. Sister Hans is laughing. But it's true. Sometimes that happens. And I I just sit quietly and listen. Politely. Because they want to hear from... They want somebody to hear from them and vice versa. So I'm urging you. If you haven't gone to look for mommy or grandma or grand-aunt or grand-uncle or anybody. Even in this church. Especially in this church. I am charging you to do that. It's very important. What I want to focus on today is forgiveness. And I know that we're looking on today, very big day in the world. Desmond Tutu said, Forgiveness says you are given another chance to make a new beginning. John F. Kennedy says, forgive your enemies, but never forget their names. You chuckled. Forgive your enemies, but never forget their names. Mark Twain said, forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. Maya Angelou says, you can't forgive without loving. And I don't mean sentimentality. I don't mean mush. I mean having enough courage to stand up and say, I forgive. I'm finished with it. Have you considered how many people live their lives in pain? Do you know if you are living without forgiving and not realizing it? Many of us live our lives in pain. Because we take these situations that have happened to us and we take them with us right through. And sometimes we have unforgiveness in us and we don't even realize I will share a short story with you to bring across the point. I remember very few interactions with my father. In fact, I have seen him, I think the last time I saw him was 1998. No, before that, it was 1994. And I'm very fortunate to have seen him at all. Because there are many persons who have never seen their fathers. And I don't... I think it's... I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate. But I I do sound a lot like him. I think it's fortunate. It's a blessing. What do you say? Um. So... He left when I was five. I just didn't see him again. And mommy said, he's gone. Where? How do you tell a five-year-old that daddy is no longer around? You just tell them. And then guess what happens? The pain and all of that. So I lived from I lived all of that period until 2010 without even realizing that I hadn't forgiven my father. I was at the funeral service of elder, I guess I'm speaking in prophecy, Charles Clayton. He's not an elder. But I was at his his father's funeral and Pastor Rutherford, God bless him, he was preaching about how We allow pain to dictate our experiences in life. And he said, think about it. Is there anybody that is depending on your forgiveness right now? And my mind went immediately to my father. And I reflected. It was very emotional for me. And it was then that it hit me that for all these years, I had him up. Without realizing. So then I decided to release him. In fact, we speak. I've called him, he has called me. And I hope the next time that I am in New York, I will get a chance to go and see him. That's one story. How you live your life based on pain. And this pain. Often dictates how we treat other people. Tell this to a woman who has been violated by a man. Everybody else who looks like him is going to be the enemy. Think about your boss who terrorized you and did everything in his or her power to get you out. And you are out of a job, not because you have not been performing, but, you know, in Jamaica, just because you're not liked. Because you're not on the right side of the fence. When the time comes around. We allow pain to shape how we respond to people. Have you ever just said something to somebody like, good morning? And they say, where are you telling me good morning, from? What go good about the morning? What did you do wrong there? You're just being a good neighbor. You see somebody pass you close enough. Because I realize in Kingston, because it's metropolis, you can't go around telling everybody morning. <laughs> but where I'm from, you have to tell everybody morning in heat fields. So if you pass and don't say good morning... Something is wrong somewhere. And you have to explain why you didn't say good morning. Now, as I share this, and and we can even dislike a person. Just because they look like somebody. And guess what? I have been there. I had a student at Campion College. I was teaching her in second form at the time. This student... May the Lord forgive me. Had me thinking at 2 o'clock in the morning. How am I going to go to that class? Any teachers inside here? Have you ever had a moment like that? And you're planning revenge? (laughs) You're not to hear these things, children. You're planning revenge because you say... Anyhow, that child crosses me today. She's going to get it. And you know what's funny sometimes? The day when you plan to give it to them, they never come to school. <laughs> so you lost your sleep. <laughs> and, and everything. Planning. Evil. So this student was a terrorist. And she was about... She was bigger than me, in second form. Right, and I was about, that would have been, I was in my 20s at the time. So, she would just get up and start talking loudly in class. I talked to her. She would give a rude retort to say, don't say anything to me. And I'm I'm saying, who is managing this classroom here? And she would gang up with other students in the class too, to make me look bad. And I'm there, I'm using all the classroom management strategies and, you know, what the psychologists tell you, what the guidance counselor tells you, what you did, what you learned. All of these things I tried. Nothing. No progress. Then I said, you know what, let me take her out of class one day. And I decided to take her out of class and speak with her. You know what she told me? She said, sir, I hate you. I so said, why you hate me? Sir, so you look like my father. And I said, it was very deep for me because I was looking into it. And I was saying, I was doing everything that I knew to be right as, a, as, a, as an instructor. But here was this student. She decided that I look like daddy. I hate daddy. And therefore, because I hate daddy... I cannot make you have any peace because I cannot subject to my daddy at all. I have to salute the teachers who are doing a a good work. And after I spoke with her, can you imagine she has turned around. After that conversation, I wish I had done it much earlier, and she turned around and we have had a good relationship since. That is a testimony to the power of how pain can dictate how somebody relates to life. And as I go into the second part of, this, of the presentation, Twisted Hearts, you will appreciate from the scripture reading, Thank you, Gabriel. The emphasis there. We know the story of the prodigal son. But what I want to focus on here is the forgiveness aspect. This guy took everything and left. And, it, and this represents, this, it doesn't have to be a son. It could be a husband. It could be a daughter. It could be a sister. It could be a brother. Who takes everything and leaves. Leaving all the pain, leaving all the hurt behind. And then you are left to suffer. And guess what? When you have all of this music to face, you have the responsibility of letting that person go. I want to focus on the father in this story here. The father, which many times we do not focus on, we focus on how bad the son was. This father did not ask any question when he came back, when the son came back. Cut the stories. Let's put on a feast. Let us put on nice clothes on him. Think about all those things. What that tells you is that the father had let go of this. And secretly in his heart, he was—he kept looking out. You know when you promise your parents that you're coming down to see them, and they sit outside, and they wait, and they call you. Have you left Kingston? They call. You say, "No, I haven't left Kingston yet." They call you one hour later. You leave out. Yes, I leave out. You reach the toilet? No, I don't reach the toilet. Get another phone call. Where are you now? Just reach the door. Get another phone call. I am at Poros. You know what I mean, right? I hear some parents laughing. That whole idea of waiting for the person to return. And you wait for the person to return. So, mommy would be outside Waiting. If it's a grandparent, they would be waiting for you. And this father was anxiously waiting. And when the son came, when the prodigal son came, he did not ask him, Where were you? What have you been doing? What did you do with the money? How many girls you spent it on? Did you work? None of that. What Jesus magnified here was a role of forgiveness. He just said, let us have a party. Because I thought that this guy was dead. But he's alive. And I'm throwing it into your lap today. As Christians. It is your duty to forgive. Because guess what? Even your prayers God does not answer. If you have not forgiven people who have wronged you. Do you know that? You have to forgive. And guess what? The beauty about forgiveness you see. It doesn't mean that. You forget about what the person did to you. But it means that you have taken the opportunity. And you have made the decision. Not to let this pain. Dictate how you live your life. And this is what happened to this young man here. This father here. There are many people who are suffering in their lives, in this country, worldwide. Relationships. Relationships. When it's not husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend, mother, daughter, father, son, a lot of hurt is circling around the place. In fact, in Jamaica, The statistics are showing that there is a decline in marriages. There is an increase in divorces. And I'm saying to us married couples in the church and elsewhere, I think we need to set a good example for the persons who are looking at us. I thought I'd hear more amens than that. We have to set a good example So that young people who are growing can see somebody and say, you know I want to be like Dr. Stern and Sister Stern. I want to be like Dr. Greaves and Sister Greaves. And this, by so doing, our society will be better. And I want you to just look at some lessons. There are ten lessons that I want to share with you. As to how you can... Arrive at forgiving. Lesson number one. Mister... Could you get that a little larger for me? The first thing... Is that you need to depend on God. That is the first thing because you are a Christian and you want to come to forgive, you have to commit the situation to the Holy Spirit and depend on God for help. Hebrews 4 and verse 15 it tells us that we have a what? A high priest who can be touched. I'm sorry. Who can be touched with the feelings of our what? What? Infirmities. That means that God connects with what happens in our lives. And Isaiah 41 and verse 10 tells us that He will uphold us with His righteous right hand. And I'd like you to, um, Deacon Clark, could you just put that up there for me? Isaiah 41 and verse 10. And then Isaiah 43 19. And Hebrews verse 15 just so that everybody can can take a look at it for themselves instead of just having me quote it it says fear thou not for I am what with thee be not dismayed for I am thy God I will what strengthen thee yea I will help thee yea I will what uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. That is God promising to help you in your struggle. So you have to put the situation to him. Isaiah forty three nineteen. It tells us, Behold, I will do what? Let's read it together. After two, one, two. Behold, I will do what it shall spring forth. Shall he not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness. And what? Rivers in the desert. That's a metaphor. It's saying God can fix your situation. Whatever the situation is. And my sister this morning. Sister Campbell. Reminded us in prayer. That as much as the problem is above our head. It is under God's word. That is powerful imagery. Above your head. But under his feet. I want you to remember that. Hebrews 4 verse 15. What does it say? For we have not an high priest which cannot be what? Touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But was in all points what? Tempted like as we are yet without sin. Commit the situation to the Lord. And we'll bring up the other point. That's the first point. That you have to trust that God is able to take care of it. The second point. Know exactly how you feel about what happened and be able to articulate what about the situation is not okay. Know exactly how you feel about what happened and be able to articulate what about the situation is not okay. It's alright to feel sad. It's alright to feel bad. But guess what? To articulate the situation, you will need to find somebody that you can trust to share the experience with a trusted person or some people will write I have done it in the past I just write and just pour all of the emotions I just write everything that I'm feeling just write, write, write and then I just burn it so if you don't trust anybody to tell them what happened you can write it down And sometimes you can just talk to God as a friend. Pretend that Jesus is sitting at your bedside. And just reason with him. Forget about the big words that the elders use when they are praying. And all of the theological ramifications of prayer. Just pretend that Jesus is right there. And just tell him how you feel. Second lesson. Make a commitment to yourself to do what you have to do to feel better. Did you hear that? Make a commitment. You have to, it means get up and go to work. Get up and go to the gym. Talk with your friends same way. If you love chocolate and you want to treat yourself, go and treat yourself. I'm getting the thumbs up from some chocolate lovers in here. I am so sorry that, but these days I have to eat chocolate. And after eating chocolate, which I have not had in very long I have to have antihistamines <laughs> so you are lucky in fact I, I, I when I was overseas I ate every I went, I went to France in 2010 and ate every chocolate and cheese that I could find and after that if I smell any of that it's a headache so I just have to stay away from, from those things so I know the cure but Remember, forgiveness is not for you. Forgiveness is for you and not for anyone else. That's making the commitment to do, to make a commitment to yourself to do what you have to do to feel better. The fourth one. Forgiveness does not necessarily mean reconciliation with the person who hurt you or condoning their action. Doesn't mean that you must be the person's friend again. Doesn't mean that our relationship will continue as it used to be or get back to what it used to be. What it means is that you have taken a decision that you are forgiving the person and then you let things work from there. What you're after is to find peace. And it says forgiveness can be defined as the peace and understanding that comes from blaming whoever has hurt you less and taking the life experience less personally and changing your grievance story. The fifth lesson. Get the right perspective on what is happening. Have you ever been in that situation where you think that you are the only one that this has happened to. You're the only one whose father has left. You're the only one whose mother migrated and said, I want to have nothing more to do with you. You're the only one who woke up one day and didn't see your husband or wife around or your child just decided to turn to another faith. You're not the only one. When you're in that situation or whatever similar situation you tend to want to feel like it's all lost. So getting a new perspective on the whole thing. Because what is happening here, you know, sometimes it's a, it's, a, it's a storm in a teacup. Because you are the one facing it and you feel like the world is finished now. Everything is done. So guess what? All is lost. But I want to tell you, go and get another perspective. Somebody who is sensible. Talk with somebody Sensible. And get a new perspective on it. Recognize that your primary distress is coming from the hurt feelings, thoughts, and physical upset you are suffering. No. Not what offended you or hurt you two minutes or ten years ago. Forgiveness helps to heal those hurt feelings. Recognize that your primary distress is coming from the hurt feelings, thoughts, and physical upset you are suffering. No. Not what intended Not what offended you or hurt you two minutes or ten years ago. Forgiveness helps to hurt those helps to heal those hurt feelings. Number six, manage your stress. And I don't need to tell you. Manage your stress. What are the things you do that you like? I love to play football. I love cricket. Love to watch netball. Love to watch football. Love to watch current affairs programs. Find those things that you love. I love to talk politics. (laughs) I hear somebody say yes. (laughs) Those things that you like, they can be a way of helping you to deal with stress. Manage your weight. Manage your lifestyle. Pray some more. Fast some more. All of those help. Number seven. Very important. Give up expecting things from other people that they do not choose to give to you. I'm going to read this again. Give up expecting things from other people that they do not choose to give to you. Guess what? The person doesn't have to want you for their friend. You have to just face the reality. He doesn't want to be your friend anymore. She doesn't want to be your friend anymore. Respect the person's choice. When you force people to do things, well, it makes no sense. They would be just doing it because you want them to do it. And I think what is better is when somebody does something of their own free will. I think that is the best way. So if they don't want to be a friend anymore, accept it. Nothing is wrong with that. Recognize the enforceable rules you have for your health or how you or other people must behave. Remind yourself that you can hope for health, love, peace and prosperity and work hard to get them. Number eight, put your energy into looking for another way to get your positive goals met than through the experience that hurt you. I've touched on that before. Find alternate ways to deal with Meeting your goals. Instead of mentally replaying the hurt. You know you have some people like that. The men- mel- melancholic personality. They like to. They like to focus. On what went by a while ago. You know so much about. I can't believe that this was done. And you you go back through. Every single emotion. That is associated with it. Negative. Drop that. Remember. Number nine, remember that a life well lived is your best revenge. Did I use that word in my sermon? A life well lived is your best revenge. So guess what? When you're cut off, decide that you're going to live for Christ. You're going to have a purposeful life. When you're having this purposeful life, the person that cut you off will be wondering, mesmerized. Why are you living so well? I'm not sending you on a revenge hunt, no. I'm just saying to you, focus on living a purposeful life in Christ. The final step, amend your grievance story to remind you of the heroic choice to forgive. The practice of forgiveness has been shown to reduce anger, hurt, depression, and stress. And leads to greater feelings of hope, peace, compassion, and self-confidence. Deacon Clark, could you, those pictures that I have there, as big as you can get them out like that. As big as you can get them out like that. So, think about these points. And before you go to the pictures, could you just show us the quotation from Spirit of Prophecy which tells us if we have received the gift of God and have a knowledge of Jesus Christ, we have a work to do for others. We must imitate the what? Long-suffering of God toward us. The Lord requires of us the same treatment toward his followers. That what? That we what? We are to exercise patience. To be kind. Even though they do not meet our expectations in every particular. The Lord expects us to be pitiful and loving. To have sympathetic hearts. The fruits of the grace of God will be shown in our deportment one to another. Now, I would like you to reflect on your own life. You are sitting, you have listened to me. You have listened to the stories. You have listened to the steps. Is there anybody in your life that you want? pianist, please. Softly and tenderly. Is there anybody in your life that you think you want to let go of? Is there anybody that has hurt you so bad and you want to let go of that pain today? The choice is yours. You are the one who makes that choice? And I want you to put. Up, I'd like you to put up the picture on the screen. You have a choice to make. You have a choice to make between those two pictures. Do you want to continue to not forgive? Do you see that hammer? Do you see that heart? Today you have the choice. Do you want a situation where you have a hammer and you are destroying a heart or you are having your heart being hammered? The choice is yours. Softly and tenderly. Softly and tenderly, please. And then the other picture. Then the other picture. It shows. That lady at the foot of the cross. Kneeling before Jesus. And I want you to remember two things today. We looked at this week in the Sabbath school lesson. How they tested Jesus, because the lady was caught in the act of adultery. And everybody was ready to stone her. In fact, they do stone people in the Muslim world today where Sharia law exists. They stone persons who commit adultery or fornication. I had a friend from Yemen who says, if once you are found to have committed fornication, they put you in the village. They dig, they dig a hole, they put you down in there, and everybody gathers. And they throw down stones on you. And not like stones. And in Jesus' time, the people were ready to throw the stones. But Jesus didn't even ask her, who were you with? How many persons were you with? Where did you go and do it? How could you have done it? He just began to write. And he wrote twice. And he said, you who have the first, who are without sin, pass the first door. And when they reflected on themselves, they realized that they were in need of forgiveness too. Jesus just said, get up. Go. Go. Thy way, sin no more. What a powerful lesson on forgiveness. Will you stand to your feet? The choice is yours. The hammer or the savior. And if there's anybody here who has heard the word today and you'd like to come forward. If you have not yet surrendered your life to Christ and you'd like to. Just come forward for us to pray with you. The opportunity is yours. You may have been here. Before. And you did not have the courage to come forward. The opportunity is yours. Let's sing congregation softly and tenderly. The opportunity is yours to come forward. To allow the Lord Jesus to have an opportunity to work in your life. And I know sometimes we have males in the congregation. I used to be at that place too. Whereas a young man, when the altar call went. I used to be so afraid. You know, afraid of the people who are in the church and might look at me. But, but Jesus is not interested in the people who are looking at you. Who he is interested in is to, is you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And I want to thank my friends for coming. God bless you, my sister. Good to have you come forward. My brother, God bless you. And the opportunity is there for anyone else who wants to come. God bless you, my brother. Bless you, bless you. The Lord is calling. The opportunity is yours. And guess what? When I decided to make that decision, I just said... I am just going to get up from my seat and I'm just going to walk. I am not watching those who are around me because it's my salvation that I am interested in. God bless.